My report uh, this year is along the theme of don't stop. And you can read through, I'm going I'm to share some of it tonight, uh, but you can certainly read through the report itself. Um, if you've been with us any number of years, we've been on a journey that God is leading us on. We started uh, nearly three and a half years ago uh, with a theme, The Great Potential. And then the following year, we've talked about getting ready for what God was going to do. And we needed to follow the Holy Spirit into places we'd never been, and we would do it at His leading. The year after that, we talked about digging, digging ditches, Second Kings, that uh, an army that was uh, dehydrated and out of water was commanded by the prophet to dig ditches, which is totally contrary to their situation. Yet, when they obey, God does an extraordinary miracle and fills every ditch that they had dug with water. They, it supplied the army. And we talked about how that year was going to be a year of digging ditches, preparing for the miracles that God would do. And boy, has he been doing them. He's been filling every ditch that we have dug. And last year, we talked about being bold as lions. Though the wicked pursue, the wicked retreat when no one pursues, the righteous are as bold as lions. And, and jumping out into new territory of where we felt God was leading us. And this year, I feel like it's just a continuation of that journey. Don't stop. In the Bible, there's a story that is recorded in several of the Gospels. I'm reading from the Gospel of Luke. It'll be on the screen, or if you have your Bible, you can turn it on or open to that page. Luke chapter 5. Jesus is, is by the Sea of Galilee, or also referred to as the, as the Lake of Gennesaret. And there's people crowding around him and, and listening to the word that he was preaching. It says in verse 2, he saw at the water's edge two boats that were anchored there left by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water, let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came in and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. So were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. I see this as a great example of don't stop. We see in this a number of requests that Jesus makes to Peter. His first request was to use Peter's boat. There is really a, an assumption because Jesus kind of crawls into the boat. <laughs> what do you say to Jesus when he gets in your boat? You know, All right, yeah, you're already here. What am I going to do? <laughs> so Jesus gets in his boat. And I, I wonder, do we, do we give Jesus permission to crawl into our lives and use our life as a teaching tool for his gospel? Does everything that we have belong to him and and is available for his use? And so Jesus crawls in the boat. He says, put out a little bit from shore. There's something about this moment with the crowd uh, crowding around him that Jesus wanted to be seen. I, I wouldn't think that crawling into a boat and getting out a little farther would actually 
be good for hearing. But I don't imagine that Jesus had a weak voice either. And certainly, he had other ways to draw people to himself besides his voice. I really look at this as fulfillment of the scriptures. If he be lifted up, the scripture says, he would draw people to himself. And I think his voice was pretty strong. I mean, he did raise the dead with just a few words. So if the dead can hear him, I'm sure the living didn't have any problem. But look at Peter's first response to that first request. He, he simply allowed Jesus to do what he needed to do. Sure, Jesus, you're in the boat. Let's do this. It's no big deal. Jesus didn't need Peter. Jesus already had the crowd. He didn't need Peter to draw anybody. He really didn't need Peter to help him out in any regard, but he used Peter's availability. Look at Jesus' second request. Jesus asked for more. After he's done preaching, instead of retiring for the day and, hey, good job, thanks, glad you could use my boat. Oh, my gosh. Jesus says to Peter, let's go out deeper and let's throw out the nets. Jesus, it's midday, it's hot. We've always fished at night. That's the best time. That's just the way we do it. But because you say so. Right? That's his, that's his second response. He refers to him as master. Did you know that? Did you notice that at first? He recognized Jesus as a rabbi. So he, he, there was some recognition there, not complete recognition yet, but some recognition of a position and title. And after he gives his excuses, he submits. Because you said so, he obeys. They let down the nets. And look at the results. A large catch. Truly, Jesus was demonstrating his dominion over all things, even the sea and all its inhabitants. And Jesus perhaps was repaying Peter for obeying him both times. The first time, letting him speak from his boat, and the second time, putting out a little farther and throwing out the nets. Notice the nets begin to break. You ever get to that moment in your life where your obedience leads to success? You get what you prayed for or hoped for or always wanted, and then suddenly you're like, what do I do with it? I, I didn't actually plan on Jesus answering my prayers. <laughs> you know, and, and it begins to cause chaos. It, it begins to cause struggle. And this is what we see happening. So much so that they had to bring in more fishermen with a second boat. Do you think Jesus knew that more resources would be needed? I think so. I think he might have been giggling to himself halfway through. <laughs> Watch, this is going to be so funny. But they get, began to sink with success, and look at Peter's response. He's fearful, right? With our middle school students, we've been, dis- we've been discovering the fear of the Lord as part of our study in the basic tenets of faith. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? And sometimes we think of fear, and maybe... You've heard this too. I certainly heard this growing up. Well, when it says to fear the Lord, it's more of like an awe and reverence. It's not for you to be scared. Nuh-uh. You read the book of Revelation? When John sees the living Christ, he falls down as a dead man. I think he's scared out of his wits. Trust me, when you come into a full encounter with the living Christ, you will fear. You will tremble. You will be scared beyond anything you've ever experienced. 
But remember the scripture says that perfect love does what? It casts out that same fear. So in the moment you fear, your faith rises up. Love penetrates that fear, right? And that's, that's the work of Christ. So that fear dissipates. But here's Peter. He's fearful, and he recognizes his own position. I am a sinful man. He recognizes the power of Christ. So here's Jesus' third request. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And what's Peter's response? He left everything. He left everything, including his newfound wealth, all of the fish. Someone else was going to get it. Their newfound success because of Jesus was not a reason to delay for these new disciples. Even though Jesus gave them success, they didn't see it as a reason to stay. They saw it as a reason to go with him to do what he had asked them to do. And I know the temptation to set our hearts on the things that Jesus provides rather than Jesus himself will always be a temptation. So here's what I see in this. Jesus will use who's available and what's available. Though tired and weary, maybe you felt like you've toiled a lot with limited success, like Simon and his friends, obedience and submission will always pay off in the kingdom of God. And it may not always make sense. Jesus, I don't want to push out to deep waters. That doesn't make sense. It's not how we've done things. It's, it's not how we've been doing it. But sometimes when we do, like these guys, they went somewhere, a location they didn't normally go, at a time of day that they didn't normally go, but they had an experience they never would have had had they not obeyed. And they reaped the rewards. They reaped a harvest, a catch, success beyond their expectations and imaginations. God's multiplication will require additional resources and may just look anything but a blessing. You can ask anybody who's been in this organization this last year. God has begun to multiply. And at times we're like, you know, this is a blessing. This is what, it's not what it's supposed to feel like. It's been harder work. I can imagine that these guys are freaking out as the boats are sinking and they're calling every hand they can. Bring your boats, come help out. At times that's what it's felt like around here because of what God is doing. The fact is they had to multiply the available resources of boats and men to meet the need of this opportunity. Did you know that, notice that Jesus did not provide a bigger boat or a second boat? Come on, Jesus. He, if he already knew this was going to happen, how come he wasn't Johnny on the spot with an extra boat? Because he leaves it to us to trust and to work with him. He did not provide bigger nets either. In fact, they had been washing their Nets beforehand, preparing them for a catch the next day, not knowing that their preparation in the little things would pay off in the end. Had their, net not, their nets not been ready, they may not have had this catch, or at least as big of a catch. And I always wonder, we talked about a couple of years ago about digging ditches in preparation for what God's going to do. God will fill the ditch as deep as you dig it. You dig it six inches, he'll fill it with six inches of water. You dig it six feet... He'll fill it with six feet of water. I just think about that. Had they had bigger nets, instead of catching a couple hundred fish, maybe they catched five, it would catch 500 fish. But every new step they took would require a new level of faith and obedience. And it's the same 
with us going into this next year. Where we're going, we've never been. I can guarantee you that. It's going to require a new level of faith, a new level of obedience and trust to say, okay, God, I can't see what you're going to do, but I'm going to trust. Is that, do you understand what God is asking of us and this church to be faithful to? What got us here won't get us there. What got the disciples to that moment didn't get them to the next moment until they obeyed. They did something different. different. They obeyed what God was asking of them. I'll tell you this, firmly, we can't stay here. There is more to do. There are more unsaved souls in Columbia than there was last year. We can't stop. We must not stop. We must continue the mission. We must push out deeper. There is more to do. There's more miracles. There's more souls. So don't stop. I was reading a, uh, an article by Kevin DeYoung of the Gospel Coalition. He says it this way. The best churches are full of gospel-saturated people holding tenaciously to a vision of godly obedience and God's glory and pursuing that godly, godliness and glory with relentless, often unnoticed, plodding consistency. You just don't quit. Don't stop. I firmly believe that the vision God has put in our hearts to see C2 multiply by building life-giving churches in mid-Missouri is one such opportunity. It feels like a long time ago I first had this vision that God gave me. And I began to share it first with the, the lead team and the staff and then slowly talk with our church about it. More than ever before, even though time has passed, I feel convinced that God is calling us to do more and be more. If we don't stop, but we continue to step out in faith and obedience, I see a harvest of souls that one single location cannot hold. So you'll read in my report our goals for this year. We will continue our strategic three-year plan for CCA to see more growth from the investment we've made. I tell you, there's an excitement here. There is momentum and there is growth. Mr. Ray will share with us a little bit later. I love seeing our ministries support each other, too. I love seeing families from CCA now becoming a vibrant part of the C2 community. I love seeing the families of Upward Soccer now part of CCA and part of C2. And I just see our ministries overlapping. I see kids that attended VBS find out about CCA and go attend school there, and their families begin to attend C2. We are functioning as one organization as the vision we talked about several years ago. We are going to continue to seek God's direction on a potential site for the launch of a second campus. We're going to enlarge our nets, and God's going to fill the nets. As big as we make them, I trust that he will fill them. We may have to get bigger boats and several boats. All the fishing guys are like, yeah, what did you say, boats? Right? You with me? We're going to finalize our plans on our facility strategy to meet the needs of our growing ministries and work on funding this plans. We've been working with the facilities uh, uh, advancement team this year. If you're on that team, would you stand real quick? Larry is our chair of that committee. Matt, Tim, Matthias is up in the sound booth. I'm not sure who else. Am I, who else am I missing? Dan Como, thank you. Um, would you give them a round of applause? Thank you, gentlemen. 
We've been working hard with a, an architect over, uh, over the month of August. Our staff sat with the architect. He began to measure and dream with us and hearing our hearts of, of needs for growing ministries. Began to draft some uh, preliminary concepts of e- expansion of the current campus and what that might look like. And I'll tell you what, it's exciting. If, if you attend here on a Sunday morning with regularity, you understand how packed the front lobby is, and the hallways. I mean, you have to turn to get down the hallways just because of all the people, and we're so thankful for that. I feel so sorry for moms with strollers. It's, you know, you almost need like beepers. Beep, beep, come through. Because it's, there's so many people, we're so thankful for that. CCA continues to grow. Our kids' ministry and youth ministry continue to grow. We're out of space. We are, that's our facilities director, and he's going to talk later tonight as well. Our youth have no designated space. Our kids need a better functioning space. We need space for connection, for relationships. Our current facility invites you to come in, sit, and walk out our doors. It does not facilitate relationships the way we see it happening, with connection, in communi- living in community. Space for the expansion of our, our school. So we delegated priorities for our kids' area, for our youth, additional schooling area, and and then relocating athletic fields, possibly a new gymnasium, better ministry flow, so when someone with a new baby doesn't have to walk to the farthest part of our building. What's that? Or with three kids, yes. So so our moms are like saying amen. We want to make the flow of our church inviting to those who would come in, who would be outsiders, not just for the insiders. I mean, I love y'all. But it's not about you. It's about the fish we're going to catch. We're making more space. We're enlarging our nets. We will also update and utilize technology to further our, our reach. Perhaps you've noticed different screens and different things going on around the building. That's because we plan on streaming our services. I'm not sure how that's going to work. That's not my job. I just, I just tell people and they go, yeah, we can make that happen. But I'll tell you what, we've got a group of uh, guys and gals who, as we talked about this, they started dreaming beyond what I could even imagine, and they're making it happen behind the scenes, and we hope to launch that soon. We're going to update our website. We're going to use streaming and other online for- video forms for our weekend services. So I know there's a need for several of our, uh, what I would call shut-ins, people who can't regularly make it because of illness or age. They're going to be able to stream C2 services in the comfort of their home. And we know there are people who are going to attend our church long before they ever step foot. So why not let them experience it online where they're at home anyway? We believe that they'll step into community when they make that step. We're going to create a customized church app for smart devices. Most of you don't even care about that, but it's going to be cool. (laughs) And we're going to continue to lead people in their next steps, resulting in more memberships. I really think we could hit 200 members by next year. I mean... When we're, we're seeing 600 people attend on a Sunday morning, I believe more and more people are going to continue to catch that vision and step into membership. They're going to get involved in our classes and groups that are led by Pastor Karras. They're going to serve regularly. They're going to continue to give regularly. And can I say to you, church, don't stop. God is doing something special. Don't stop. Don't stop.